This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Creative Elements, hosted by Jay Klaus. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Creative Elements goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. By learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creative Elements helps you gain the tools and confidence to do the same. In a recent episode, they talked with Kevin Perry about how he goes viral on every single platform. Listen to Creative Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Louis Gadimer. He is a fractional CMO for B2B companies and mentors startups at MIT. Previously, he founded and grew a marketing agency and pivoted into a SaaS company, growing it into one of the top three or four companies in the national market before a successful exit. The first edition of Bullseye Marketing was named one of the best marketing plan books of all time by Book Authority. He also does a little side hustle as ghostwriter of business and marketing books. But we're going to talk today about the second edition of Bullseye Marketing. So, Lewis, welcome back to the show. Hi, John. Great to be back. Good to see you again. So every time I have an author on, oh, by the way, I also should have should point out, because I'm certain he's listening, that Douglas Burnett wrote the foreword for this new edition with the marketing book podcast. I, he tells me I've been on like six times. He's better about that stuff than me, keeping track of. But whenever yeah, I have second- telling me that you were very close, neck and neck for his most, uh, his champion for most- His episodes. most episodes by one author. So I always ask second edition books, right, authors, why'd you write a second edition? What was needed? What's new? You know, what, because obviously that it's a lot of work to do and to update a book. So there had to be some compelling reason. I'm guessing that you felt it needed an update. Yeah, it turned out to be more work than I expected. So the reason I wrote it, and Douglas was very encouraging, even two or three years ago, he was like, you should do a second edition. So I'll have to ask him someday why he thought it needed improving. <laughs> but first of all, the first edition was B2B and B2C, and this edition is exclusively B2B. And I, that's really my expertise. That's where I do you know, almost all my work. That's where most of my experience is. And so I really wanted to focus on that. One of the things, and I have two or three others I'll quickly say, but one of the things is that I think B2B marketing especially lacks creativity compared to B2C. So mm. I populated the book and tried to make a, a real effort to show how people and give a lot of examples from a lot of companies of kind of really creative and excellent B2B marketing. Yeah, and I actually uh, want to dig, it, dig into some of those differences a little bit, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, another thing is that I laid out in the first book, the, the three phases of, of right. the bullseye marketing approach, you know, and the first is to take advantage of your existing marketing yeah. assets for fast, inexpensive results. Secondly, use intent marketing. And thirdly, I called cast a wider net and I renamed it a more accurate scientific correct phase, which is build your brand and grow your mental availability. Because what I've learned between the two editions is much more of the research that it turned out really validated my bullseye approach, 
and the real importance in the long term of the third phase of building mental availability. And I can explain what that is. Yes. And it's something that in this era of short termism that that so many marketers are focused on what can we do with this campaign? What can we do this quarter that they've they miss out on the long term growth that can be achieved through those phase three programs, which is equal to or even greater than the those short-term programs. I, I was going to bring up the phased approach because it's one of the things I really liked from the first edition. I know it's back in this. And I think that I've been, you know, for many years talking about, you know, I call it the customer success track in my last book that, you know, there are the certain things that have to be done first, <laughs> can be done first. Maybe it's the low-hanging fruit or it's the foundation, you know, but it's then what's the promise of what's next and the promise of what's next. And I think you maybe don't call it the same thing, but I think there's a little bit of that same idea of the long game, you know, goes on while the short game is played as well. Yeah. And I realized, you know, the first edition I thought was kind of focused on people who weren't really experienced marketers. And then it turned out some very experienced marketers like were saying, this is really great and very helpful. And so there, the first phase is both a foundation for success in the second and third phases but it's also you know in and of itself it can produce a tremendous yeah. result just in three or six months yeah yeah like here's an idea <clears throat> send an email occasionally to your 1237 customers that haven't heard from you right <laughs> well it that was so bullseye marketing grew originally from the fact that i was working with companies you know as a fractional cmo and things that were supposed to be like the best, you know, like inbound marketing or social media posts right. or other yeah, things, yeah. you know, they wouldn't produce results in, in three or six months. No. And then I thought, well, what really does produce results? And that's when, you know, bullseye marketing grew out of that. And also from my experience, as you know, I'm sure you've had work, I would start to work with a new client and I'd say, Oh, how many email addresses, you know, do you have? And they'd say, oh, we have 12,000 or, you know, whatever the number might be. Right. And I'd say, oh, how often do you, you know, email them? And they'd say, oh, around the holidays. <laughs> and, you know, email is, marketing is such a tremendously yeah. powerful, you know, and almost free tool. And yet they weren't taking advantage of it. And so that's where the idea of the marketing assets that were kind of like money that people had in the shoebox under the bed, you know, and they just had to use it better. I had a client one time that, that <clears throat> we were doing a monthly newsletter and he was like, you know, that's just a pain. Let's just kill that. I just, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. And I was able to show him spikes in web traffic, spikes in conversions, <laughs> you know, every single time <laughs> that thing went out. He was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's awesome. Hey, you know, speaking of conversions, I also like your thinking on this, you know, a lot of times I, have said before on stages that, you know, if you dropped me in your business and you said, look, you've got, you know, a couple of weeks, what's like the one area you would work on. And I always say it's sales or conversion, you know, rate optimization. Cause you, most of the time, nobody really focuses on that. You like tweak the dial one half a percent and sometimes, and it can really drop to the bottom line, can it? So you have, you talk a lot about conversion rate optimization. So tell me a little bit of your thinking on what you've seen when you've got people to focus on that. Oh yeah. I mean, it just makes a huge difference. You know, it, it's just, the idea is so simple is it's way easier to double your conversion rate <laughs> 
with the existing amount of traffic than it is yep. to double the amount of traffic with the existing rate of conversion. And it, when you double your conversion rate, which, you know, can, it's one of those, another one of those almost free things. Yeah. You know, you're not only getting twice as many leads or sales or whatever your conversion is, you're cutting the cost per conversion in half. And, and sometimes it's, it's really obvious stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I like to say that if you start to ramp up your marketing without first optimizing your for conversions, yep. it's like trying to fill a, buck, fill a bucket that's full of holes. You know, you're yeah. just wasting a huge amount of your time yeah. and effort. Yeah. And I'll throw one more variable in there where you get lead conversion cranked up, raise your prices. <laughs> and, sure. you know, it may cut into conversions a little bit, but, you know, it's pure profit <laughs> in many cases. So, you know, it's worth the take worth taking a look at both of those, I think, in a combination. Yeah. T tell me a little bit in your experience um, that what you see as the significant marketing differences between you started already alluding a lot of B2B businesses, you know, their marketing is very boring and because they feel like, oh, it has to be very professional or something. But talk about just the significant differences between B2B, not talking about like the tone or the messaging, but the, you know, the significant like channel differences even or approaches to, you know, a B2B marketer as opposed to a B2C marketer. Well, and I'm going to talk about the leading B2C companies, the P&Gs and those yeah, right, kinds, because right. they, yeah, they do it so well. And there are some great B2B marketers like Salesforce, you know, which really gets it also. And I give other examples in the book, but what they realize is that you have to build this idea of mental availability, first of all. And that means that customers, it starts with the recognition that 95% of your market is not interested in buying from you today. Right. So it doesn't matter what you say or what you offer. You know, they bought it six months ago or they have a vendor they're happy with, or they, or it may be, a, you know, if a, a firm has an accountant, a law firm, you know, some other a service provider that they're very happy with, they're just got, not going to switch. If they bought a new CRM, you know, two years ago, you know, they'd have to be really upset to switch. You know, and that's true just of many things. The typical consumer insurance customer stays with the same company like Progressive or Geico for 11 or 12 years. And, you know, and that's the case in the B2B world too. So mental availability is building up awareness so that you are top of mind when they do want to actually buy something in your category, because the short list is often very short. And one, sometimes just two companies. You know, I, I have in there a study in the book where someone, an analyst was surveyed their customers, their clients who had just bought new digital asset management systems. These are big enterprise expensive software systems. A majority of the clients had looked at one vendor. They had done no competitive bake-off at all. And I hear that all the time from small company, you know, companies that are selling to SMBs, you know, that they are, you know, someone hears good things about MailChimp or about HubSpot or about yeah. Constant Contact. And they're like, they look at it. Yeah, it looks good. Let's go with it. And they don't spend, you know, three months doing a competitive bake-off. And if you aren't if you don't haven't built up that mental availability over the previous months and years, you don't know about that opportunity. 
all the search marketing in the world and email marketing in the world will not make you aware of that opportunity because they're just not going to talk to anyone. They've already settled before they bought. And so you want to get yourself, and this is what, you know, this is why P&G and companies like that, you know, you look at the Today Show and they do their 15 second ads and it's just to constantly be, you know, maintain that aware, that mental availability, which is more than awareness. So that when you are ready to buy, when you are ready to switch, you're the one they're thinking of. You know, I can already hear listeners saying, well, that's great. P&G has billions you know, somewhere. You know, how can I afford, you know, how can I invest in that type of, you know, what maybe people would have called brand marketing or something at one point? How can I invest in that when I really can't measure it, you know, scientifically? Well, I compare it, I like to make this comparison, John. Brand marketing and building awareness is like exercise. You know, it's well documented that people are healthier and live longer and live healthier right. if they exercise, you know, five times a week, right? you know, half an hour a day. Not a huge investment, but, you know, if they do that, they will be much healthier and live longer. And that's like brand marketing. You know, it's not with exercise where you can say, you know, last Tuesday I ran a 5K and that's what made me healthy or I got X return from it. <laughs> right. You know, it's the doing it constantly yeah. over and over again. At the same time, you know, in terms of medicine, you know, when you got an emergency, you get a, you know, chemotherapy, you get surgery, you get your COVID shot, you know, those have great short-term effects. They may even save your life, but they don't produce long-term health and wellness. And so you need them both. And what the researchers, what the studies show is that optimally you have a roughly 50-50 balance and spend between brand and lead generation. Yeah, and I can attest to the fact that having that long-term approach, whatever it is, however it you know shows up, it's not always running ads, you know, on the Today Show. That having that brand mental availability, brand awareness out there, actually makes your marketing, your short-term marketing, more effective. I have found. So in other words, you know, we've invested for years in inbound. That's just part of what we do. I produce content. We're on social media. I speak on stages. I do webinars. You know, those are all kind of things that in many cases are just kind of getting the name, keeping the name out there. When we then decide there's something we want to promote and we put ads behind it, I can tell you anecdotally, but I, you know, probably could do better than that, that we have people all the time saying, yeah, I read duct tape marketing eight years ago. And then I saw your ad and it just reminded me how awesome it, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, I, again, I, th I, I think it's really testament to the fact that they support each other. I think it's not just like for the long term someday. Oh, sure. So are you familiar with Gusto? The oh, Okay. Sure. Sure. Oh, Actually, my, my, my daughter has done a lot of marketing with them my daughter's firm. Yeah. Okay. So I quote the former CMO of Gusto. She was the CMO when they grew from 500 to 50,000 customers. Yeah. So hugely successful. Now she's the CEO. That's what you get when you go from 500 to 50,000. You get to be CEO next time. Yeah. And uh, of Mutiny, a marketing AI firm. Ah. And she says that at Gusto, she found that whenever she turned off the brand marketing, Six months later, their customer acquisition costs, their CAC went through the roof and their conversion rates tanked. And, you know, she tried it. She ran the, this experiment. 
and other companies adidas found the same thing in b2c you know six or seven years ago they said oh we're just going to do this you know digital lead gens you know uh, online sales stuff we don't need the brand marketing we'll leave that to nike and after about three or four years they said oops you know, yeah. they found out so a lot of companies have found out in a lot of different industries that just exactly what you said brand supports lead gen and you need them both you know hand in hand this and is a... I can say just one other thing and they are fundamentally different yeah, yeah and you might even need different people or different agencies doing them because the brand is all about creative and emotion and characters and humor message and yeah. the lead gen is all about rational 10 percent off sign up for our webinar conversion optimization stuff so they are very different skills and you may need different you know groups of people doing them hey marketing agency owners you know i can teach you the keys to doubling your business in just 90 days or your money back sound interesting all you have to do is license our three-step process that's going to allow you to make your competitors irrelevant charge a premium for your services and scale perhaps without adding overhead and here's the best part you can license this entire system for your agency by simply participating in an upcoming agency certification intensive. Look, why create the wheel? Use a set of tools that took us over 20 years to create, and you can have them today. Check it out at dtm.world slash certification. That's dtm.world slash certification. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you ready to get out of spreadsheets? Look, with HubSpot CRM, get real-time data at your fingertips so your team stay in sync across the customer journey. Build better content, generate more conversions, and get the context you need to create amazing experiences for your teams and your customers at scale, all from one powerful platform. It's why more than 150,000 companies already use HubSpot CRM to run their businesses better. Plus, HubSpot's user-friendly interface sets you up for success from day one, so you can spend less time managing software and more time on what matters, your customers. There's no better time to get organized. Get started for free at HubSpot.com today. If this next question were part of a drinking game and you had to drink every time somebody asks a question about this right now, we all wouldn't be getting much done. But where are you? Where, what's your take on AI and marketing these days? I think it's very new and I think it's going to have a huge impact. I actually was sitting, you know, I until last month, I headed up a group in Boston that you've spoken to sales and marketing mm -hmm. innovators. And we had a speaker today on AI and marketing, and he was making a point. So first of all, the writing I see from AI today, I think is very bland and mm -hmm. undistinguished, yep. but who knows what it'll be like in two or three years. But he was saying that, you know, what AI does is it brings in a huge amount of internet content and, you know, and then it generates new things from that. Now, LinkedIn itself, the LinkedIn B2B Institute, says that 75% of the ads on LinkedIn are ineffective. And as we've been talking about, most B2B ads are not very good. So if you're using an AI that's taking in all the mediocre stuff that's being yeah. done today and creating new things based on that, I don't think that's what you want. 
I, you know, and I think that to the degree that AI is valuable, marketers have to be better than AI or, or we won't have jobs. You know, at least what I'm telling people right now is it's an efficiency tool. It's a research tool. So, you know, you may ask it something and get 20 ideas where you would have thought of 10 or something, you know, I'm with you. I mean, it's certainly not at the cut and paste stage by, by any means. Boy, I tell you, it does a good job of outlining things. It does a good job. Metadata is a perfect example. I mean, you know, for SEO purposes, keyword research for SEO purposes, it just mm -hmm. speeds, you know, it gives us a lot of speed and efficiency in doing some of those routine tasks. And I think that's how, if we use it that way and free up sort of those, the mental capacity, you know, to think strategically, I think it, it certainly has a place today. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's great for brains, you know, quick brainstorming and you might get, you know, 15 or 20 ideas and you say, yeah, that one, you know, that, that might be a good topic. Although I heard, uh, I saw on Twitter, this guy at this agency said that they were doing a branding campaign and they asked chat GPT and it came up with, you know, like 10, 15. And then, so they immediately tossed all those out as being the obvious banal things. And their job then was to find the new innovative approach that something like ChatGPT wouldn't come up with. Yeah, yeah. We've been using it a lot for some strategic research too. You know, you develop a persona and then say, you know, what are the 20 concerns that, you know, this persona might have when buying X service or considering X service? And, you know, I have to say it, you know, it, it is probably the common stuff, but it just, you know, it's, it, create, create in that particular case, it creates a nice framework for, you know, maybe we ought to be messaging around a few of these. Yeah. So, so let me shift gears a little bit. You are an author of a great book, Bullseye Marketing, but you also write books with and for other folks, really truly for, I suppose, as a ghostwriter, you, you want to talk a little bit about your decision to do that. I find it difficult because it's so much work to write a book. I can't imagine writing somebody else's book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, they have to pay you to do it. <laughs> so I can help you on that part. So, yeah, after I wrote Bullseye Marketing, I contacted a few publishers. The thing is, I've been a, a ghost writer, if you want to call it that, well, that's for my entire career. Right, right. I've written for, you know, I've written for CEOs. I've written for clients, you know, campaigns. Yeah. I've 100-page manuals and videos. And, you know, I've written for clients my sure. entire career. So this is just a, a different form of writing. Different package. Huh? <laughs> yeah. What? A different package. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And so I, I let a few publishers know. And last year, one of them contacted me and said, yeah, we do need someone to write a marketing book. And it was an interesting topic. It was B2B, but it was not an area I had done a lot of work in. So it was kind of interesting. I, I could learn. The author and I got along very well. He liked, you know, what I wrote and that helped us get along well. Right. <laughs> um, so now in that case, I did not have a credit. And now I'm you know, talking with a, another author who, where I would be a co-author on the book. So yeah, I am interested in doing that. And as I said, it's kind of a, you know, it's something I've done for a long time. Well, you know, chat GPT there, you know, just have it spin out books for you and then it'll be very profitable, right? I think so. I think if I can just have ChatGPT write it all in the background, it, you know, and I can do about 20 or 50 at a time. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, who are some of those 
people, Patterson, James Patterson, that spins out, you know, like eight books a year. But I guess he's, I guess he's just hired an army of people that can work inside of his sort of framework model <laughs> and write oh, the books for him. Yeah, yeah. Apparently so. That's why, he, that's why he's so prolific. Well, Stephen King is outrageously prolific with his novels. Yeah. I think he does something like, I, I read his book on writing. I think he has a goal of something like 2,000 words a day. Oh, wow. And so, you know, he sits down every morning, writes his 2,000 words, and, you know, that's, that, eight that's months how you, later, he has another I very long say, that, That's how you get to eight, 800 pages, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Although I will say bullseye marketing is no thin work there either. It's uh, yeah, I think you're with the index, you're over 400 pages and in that book. And it's really, you know, I don't know if you see this as a compliment or not, but I think it's, a, I think it'd be an amazing textbook just because you cover so much ground and you do it, I think in very practical ways. Well, thank you. I have, I had a, a one reader in their Amazon review of the first edition called it an encyclopedia yeah, yeah. of marketing. It's, you know, when I kind of picked it up to do the second edition, I was like, this is ridiculously ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny you mentioned that because when Douglas Burdett interviewed me, you know, five years ago on the Marketing Book Podcast, he started off by saying, so I weighed this and it weighed <laughs> 1.5 pounds. So I, well, you, it wasn't what I thought was the most notable, but apparently it is kind well, of longer I'm, than most books. On top of pages, you, I don't know who, you know, Wedgwood Press got the paper from, but I just think it's, I think it's just a bulky, heavy book in general compared to a lot of other 400 page books. So it has something to do with the weight of the paper, I think even. Well, it's got over a hundred full color illustrations. Well, that too. Yeah. Did the first so, edition, I'm forgetting, so, did the first yeah, edition have color? Oh, okay. And so, you know, wanted high quality paper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you accomplished that. Well, Lewis, thanks again for taking a moment to stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. You want to invite people to connect with you and find out more about Bullseye Marketing in its various forms? Yeah. So so the book will launch on May 2nd. I'm not sure when this will drop, but either, you know, right presumably. Yeah, that's, it's May 2nd, 2023, I should say, because people listen to this show years later. That's true. May 2nd, 2023. The ebook can be advance ordered, but the physical book for some reason cannot, but you can buy it May 2nd. And uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter or louisgadima at Gmail. And uh, would love to, you know, communicate with any of your uh, listeners. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for stopping by and hopefully we'll run into you again soon one of these days out there on the road, Lewis. Thank you, John. Be well. Hey, and one final thing before you go, you know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get. 